Welcome to MLR Kickoff, Episode 30, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hey folks, Episode 30 is here. Dan Power with you alongside my co-commentator, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, it was an absolutely fantastic weekend of rugby. We saw a little bit of everything. And we also saw some settling in the top four as the playoff picture becomes a little clearer. But first, let me welcome you to the show, Pete. Great to have you back again, mate. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, there were some really wonderful games and, and probably um, maybe even the game of the season. Uh, and as you said, I think we're getting to crunch time. I think there are games coming up this weekend that are going to have a big impact on who's going to make the playoff and who isn't going to make the playoff. Let's just jump into the travel tip. You are usually carrying the load with this one. I'll take one from you this week because I had a uh, almost catastrophic snafu on the weekend coming back from New York. And for those who listen to the show regularly, know Pete and I travel quite a bit for our other work outside of Major League Rugby. So we kind of know the ropes. But I was traveling out of LaGuardia, an airport that I do not travel out of a lot, Pete. And as I got to the airport in the morning, I checked my boarding pass, gate C11. So what terminal would you go to if you had gate C11? Uh, 11, A, B, C, or D? I would, um, well, I would actually check the terminal, but you would think you would get a C11. You'd get a terminal C. I did. And I got to security and got into a lively conversation with the lady at security who wouldn't let me through because I was at the wrong terminal. There is a gate C11 in terminal B at LaGuardia. And as you know, uh, the construction there is off the charts. So I had to rush down, get a shuttle that then left the airport, drove through the neighborhood of Brooklyn, back to LaGuardia, <laughs> ran through TSA pre-check and plonked down in my seat, a little sweaty and a little short of breath, uh, much to the begrudging of my unfortunate seat partner next to me. But I made it. So folks, check your boarding pass, check everything before you get to the airport. Well, don't I, I, think, I think the lesson is don't check your boarding pass, but um, if you use the apps, right, so whether it's um, for any of the major airlines, when you when you go and you look at your reservation on the app, it'll actually tell you which terminal you're supposed to be in. Don't, I, think, I think the lesson, Dan, is don't trust the gate that's on your boarding pass. Thank you. Thank you for sure. clarifying. For me, where were you on Sunday morning? And it was Easter. If I missed that flight, oh, you know the wrath that comes of missing yep. uh, family holidays. But let's just jump into the action, Pete, because it was, like we said, a, a pretty interesting weekend. We saw a couple of teams have their stock rise significantly, another couple fall, and and uh, some consistencies with some of the lower teams as well. It kicked off Saturday afternoon out in beautiful San Diego, absolutely gorgeous on television watching this game. It was the Legion and the Raptors. And we anticipated this one to be a tight game. We thought the scrum of the Legion would have been the deciding factor. It wasn't. It was just that dynamic attack that really looks like it's clicked into gear. They absolutely thumped Glendale, Pete. What did you think of this one? Well, you know, this was really interesting because when you looked at the lineup, you know, when I looked at the San Diego lineup, I was like, hmm, Paddy Ryan on the bench, right? Nick Boyer starting on the wing. Um, You've got Audsley and Mattias uh in the centers so that's really like a 13 and a wing playing in the centers you know you looked at this and you were like you know this is an interesting lineup there'll be you know i thought this it, it, it would be a scrum um you know i think that probably glendale had their best scrummaging front row in barker Fenolio um and uh Fepulai. and and it didn't turn out to 
be like that. It was, it was absolute, and, and it was the dynamic play. This is like one of these games where the stats probably don't really show what the game was like because if you if 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 you look at it, you know, um, Glendale had an edge in possession. Uh, they, um, you know, uh, had almost about the same number of meters gained, right? But they had significantly more ball carries. And what that told you was that this is a San Diego team that is very efficient on offense. They can create opportunities. And when they create those opportunities, uh, um, they take them. And that's exactly what the game was like. Yep. I, uh, I'm going to have to go with you on that one. Pete, I... Looked at the Rosses and got a little nervous, to be honest with you, about the pick for San Diego, that maybe they were resting some players. We saw Paddy Ryan on the bench, like you mentioned, and that looked like the strongest Glendale side that we've seen probably in 2019 for them to go out there and uh, get handled like that pretty easily from San Diego. Really tells me more about San Diego, to be honest with you, that not only are they the best defensive team, but wow. Those attacking weapons, their back row is so dynamic now with uh, Manahara, Wuching, and Vera Malua playing there consistently. But having back Mikey Teo goes for 154 metres on 12 carries. He was absolutely electric. Every time he got near the ball, Pete, I even was starting to get out of my seat. I was at the hotel. I'm like standing up and, oh, my, just really edge of the seat stuff and showing what an exciting player he is. And as he finds that match fitness that is coming back rather quickly, it could be uh, worrying, worrying signs for anyone forced to take on the Legion here down the home stretch. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that um, the thing that impressed me most about San Diego is even though they scored those points because their dynamic was actually um, their defense. And you're absolutely right that um, Manny Hera had, you know, he had 16 tackles. And you can look, I mean, what, what's really interesting about the defense in San Diego is that, you know, you, you can look at Connor Kearns had 10 tackles. Dylan Audley had, had, had 12 tackles. Um, Ryan Mattias had 13 tackles. Nick Boyer had 12 tackles. Um, the back row pretty much, you know, pretty much all the forwards were in double digit tackles. They really defend as a unit. And I think that that's what's really impressive. And what they did is what you have to do against, against Glendale, which is they put pressure, they applied pressure. Glendale continue to have handling errors. They had 17 handling errors in this game and handling errors equals scrums. And even without Paddy Ryan, the San Diego scrum were able to put a little, little bit of pressure onto Glendale. And, you know, it, they're going to have to do something about this handling error that Glendale have. They cannot play the game that they want to play um, if they're put under pressure. Yeah, it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks for the Raptors as they uh, try to salvage their season. Moving on, Pete, it was New York and Utah. This was uh, CBS, one of two CBS games we had over the weekend. And uh, I called this one and not really what I was anticipating going in. Uh, 24-22, close game, but a little disappointed in particular with Rooney. And I think they'd be pretty disappointed with their performance as well. Uh, they get the win with a uh, bonus point as well, but I'm sure there's a lot to work on from that over Utah, who I found actually to be on the upward trend, Pete. I don't know how much of the game oh, you have to see. Don't get tripped by Utah, Dan. Don't get tripped by Utah. We've seen them on an up- upward trend before. I think that they're, I think they're fundamentally inconsistent. I think they've got some players. I mean, you know, you were talking about Mikey Teo 
in the first game. I mean, Don Paddy in this game was also one of those electric players and, you know, probably set up um, one of the tries of the season for Gannon Moore. But, but you know, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm kind of a believer in Alf Daniels and Utah. I just don't think we've seen them be consistent yet. And they were certainly better in this game. I think they're a veteran signing away. You know, Kurt Morath was great for them, and so was Paul Lasique as like those senior, you know, in Utah is obviously different to every other team, but I think those guys were like not only leaders on the field, but off the field was so important in the culture out there. I think if they can get a, a back who's like that real father figure to that young, exciting back line and just steady the, the ship when it needs to be, yeah, they're gonna be uh they're gonna be really Really dangerous side in the next couple of years. I mean, Sire Uhilla has played that role beautifully in the forwards. You know, he had another big game on the weekend, went for 120. Looked like he hurt his knee pretty significantly, but, you know, they need to match that in the backs as well and just be a little calmer. I liked Reeves and O'Malley. They look like they're finding their rhythm as well, so that should continue to improve in the next couple of weeks. But for New York, for a top-four side, and I'm sure a team that. Mike Tolkien and James Kennedy are probably saying, we're a top two side. We're going to get a home semifinal out of this. Uh, not their best performance uh, of the season for sure. Yeah, I mean, I have a bit of a working theory with some of these teams like New York. Um, and I think Toronto's in the same boat. These places where they've taken a large chunk of their players from the local playing community. I mean, you can look at, at New York and you can say, you know, someone like Nate Brakely, um, you know, Nate's working full time. So his ability, you know, the, every team in, in Major League Rugby has, you know, a core of professional full time players and then a group of players that are part time. And those players can't make, um, you know, can't make the commitment. I mean, you know, they're, they're making, you know, good money in their jobs. And I think that when teams that are in that situation that large have that that have a significant contribution from those part-time players, I think rotations are dangerous because I don't think that they have time to be able to get the reps at practice. And I think what we've seen, and we saw it when Rooney played Austin, and we saw it here. I mean, you know, Dylan Fawcett played number eight. Now, you know, there's no Ross Deacon, and Fawcett had an amazing game, right? So he had 17 ball carries. He had three line breaks. Um, you know, I think he was one of the leaders in, in um, you know, tackles. I mean, he had a really, a really great game at eight, but he's not an eight. He's a hooker, right? They moved um, Rochford from, um, you know, loose head to tight head. So, you know, they moved some people around. They had um, Callum McIntosh at hooker. Like, they're just not going to get the reps that they need in practice to be able to be smooth when they came out. So this was a gamble that Mike Tolkien and his staff made of like, we're going to make some rotation in the forwards where I think they feel like they don't quite have as much depth as they have in the backs. And they made that gamble and, and it worked just. So remember, right at the end of the game, Dan, Utah got the ball over the line, right? And the referee went to the touch judge to say, hey, is this, is this a try? And actually, I think penalized Utah for holding on, right? So it was a it was, double movement. It was a double movement. Thank you. It was a double movement. And so, like, it was that close to Rooney's gamble not paying off. Yeah, it's true. They do have the injury bug out there at the moment with uh, Ross Deacon, James Denise, who's been a revelation. Uh, I'll have to give the uh, the Baron of Bayonne a shout out for his uh, his season. He wasn't even 
on the roster at the start of the year and now is alongside uh, Dylan Fawcett, the leading forward try scorer out there. I think uh, Howard down in Nola has one more for the whole league than those two. So, again, even that's a little bit of a red flag, isn't it? The two leading try scorers are both forwards. One of them has played front row for 90% of his games this year as well. But- well, I mean, it, it, that's a little bit of kind of where the modern game is going, right? So one of the best scoring platforms you have is the line-out. And when the line-out forms, the hooker in particular ends up at the back, and that's the guy that ends up scoring on that driving line-out. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, if after the World Cup um, later this year, World Rugby looks and says, is, is, is this what we want the game to be? You know, there, there are teams that are really like, you know, they prefer to have a line out five meters from the line than to actually have the ball five meters from the line in open play. It, like you're more likely to score. So um, that's something that they're going to look at. But, you know, it, it, and I think that's probably, you know, that's true, um, you know, that, that, you know, I think we'll see it at the World Cup. We see it with, um, you know, with the US when we look at the leading scorers there. So I think, I think that's more about the modern game than maybe it is about Major League Rugby. I think you're right, Pete. Always. You're such a learned man. <laughs> I love doing these shows with you because I learn so much. All right, mate, let's move on to Sunday now. Two games on Sunday. The first one up in Toronto. The Arrows take on the Sabercats, 35-21. And uh, as mentioned in our travel tip, I was traveling uh, during the day. I got back and watched uh, bits and pieces of this one. But didn't get to see the whole game yet. But from what I could tell, it was a pretty tight game until that last quarter where Toronto got two late tries that stretched it out to 35-21 as the final well, score. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was interesting um, for me because, you know, Toronto looked like a, a, a dominant side. They went up 21 nothing, And then, you know, right before halftime, um, Houston were able to turn it around, score two tries, and then score another try at the beginning of the second half. And, you know, it was not a great game. Uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like this was really um, a great game of rugby, but I do, do feel like that Houston played well. But both of those tries then in the second half for Toronto came from Houston handling errors. Like Toronto were unable to actually generate much attack um, and weren't able to score in that second half except from those turnovers. So, you know, that's a, that's a bit of a concern I think if I'm Toronto, but I'll go back to my working theory that they're still bringing players into their squad. Um, they haven't yet um, had a run with the same 15, but they're going to need something like that for the rest of their homestand. Yep. Uh, here's a question for you. And uh, fly half for Toronto. Sam Malcolm comes off at 39 minutes. Have they got the depth? I know they've made uh, some interesting signings over the last few weeks to fill that position, but Sam Malcolm, if he is out for an extended period, how is Toronto's run home affected by that? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, Sean Windsor is... I mean, I think they have the depth. I mean, I think Toronto actually have some significant um, depth. They've got a lot of players that have international experience that aren't starting for them. Um, and um, I, I don't think that's, that's going to be a huge problem, although I think Malcolm is a challenge. I don't see that as being, being the issue. I mean, Houston, over time, were able to wear down the um, scrum of, uh, um, of Toronto, which is a concern. Um, you know, they, 
they uh, um, weren't great in their lineouts, right? Which which was a challenge. Um, and as we've said, if Houston can get over the gain line, then they can be successful. And they were able to get over the gain line, on or over the gain line, over um, 60% of the time. So that's, that's a concern. I think they've got some fundamental issues that go beyond the individual players. I think they have enough quality players. I just don't think they're yet playing well enough as a team. Yep. Well, they may run out of time. It's the unfortunate thing by the time they gel, if they have too many more losses, as they have some ground to make up on that top four. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think they can. I don't think they can have a loss. Yeah. I think. I think that if they have one loss, I think Toronto on the outside looking in. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it might work out that they could end up on fifty-five points and they can get in, but I'm not sure that fifty-five points gets you in. And they get to fifty-five points if they only lose one more time and they get bonus points the whole way. Yeah. Well, speaking of top four, these two sides proved on Sunday, come June, they will probably be well and truly in the mix. It was Seattle taking on Nola at home. It finished at 25-24. And you said in the start of the show, potentially a game of the year candidate on the weekend. I'm guessing this is the game you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was like one of these games that you just like to sit back and watch it was just absolutely um high level stuff and and one of the ways that i see high level games is 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 that is the quality of play good enough that you can see momentum swings and there were momentum swings back and forth along this that i thought was just you know um just really really impressive and it was like a classic seawolves win right you know they they're not the prettiest team when when nola can get going you know, Nola was able to, you know, create tries from a long way out, you know, going through their phases, playing their fast ball. And, you know, Seattle created their tries by being physical and being more direct and taking their opportunities. So, um, you know, I think that the uh, um, it was it, it was a great game. And, you know, if, if there were three or four minutes to go, um, I'm not sure that uh, um, Nola weren't going to score again. Yeah, it looked like the Seattle of old. I don't want to say the seawall is back, but looking at the statistics, 20, 227 tackles made by Seattle with just 22 misses, 91% effective tackle rate, only 147 tackles made by Nola with 21 misses, almost the same number of misses with uh, almost 100 less, 80 less tackles. So it, it just shows that that seawall may be starting to fortify at the right time of the year. And I've got to give, Credit to Brad Tucker, who went 26 tackles on the day without a miss. Uh, we talk about Paddy Ryan being one of the signings of the year, if not the signing of the year. I think Brad Tucker's name's got to get thrown into that conversation as well now with what he's done up in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, um, you know, Brad Tucker is just an impressive physical player. And I think the other thing that's, that is, um, is interesting for me is the fact that, you know, they were able to generate some turnovers at the breakdown. And that's actually where the seawall really has its foundation. And I think it's where they've missed both um, Vili and Sherma in terms of um, uh, in terms of their ability to contest. They have a lot of big bull runners, but I think that, you know, the Tucker and the Penny and the Hatting back row, I think has a little bit more balance. And because they were able to contest a little bit better at the breakdown, the thing that they did against Nola, which you have to do, is they had a very strong defensive launch. 
No, no, only get over, got over the gain line 50% of the time, which is low, right? Um, and so that allowed them to slow the ball down. And if you don't let Nola win fast ball, then you can defend them. And in those moments when they couldn't defend Nola and they got their momentum, that's when they scored their tries. For Nola, Dan, I think the big question is their scrum. Because, again, they were under pressure and we're learning in Major League Rugby that if you can't scrum, it's unlikely you're going to win. Yeah, and Seattle, again, one of the best scrums in Major League Rugby at the moment. Well, they have been for the last, well, 12 months as we're you know, around the same time as the season started last year. Well, Pete, there were a lot of great performances over the weekend, but... Coming out of the San Diego win on Saturday, it was hard to go past this man who's just been a revelation with his versatility for the Legion. I'm talking about the Fijian gold medalist, Jasa Veramalua, and I had a chance to catch up with him earlier today. Joining me now, San Diego Legion's Jasa Veramalua. And Jasa, well, the most versatile man in Major League Rugby is a tag that uh, you've pretty much earned the last few weeks. Thanks for joining the show, brother. How are you doing? Um, good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Well, let's talk about the last few weeks. You started on the wing. You played a little bit of flanker. Then you've moved to lock. Mate, what position are you actually? Where do you want to play in 15? Off the record. So Rob Hoadley won't listen to this, so you can tell me the truth. <laughs> um, yes, actually... Uh... Back at home, I play forward, but a couple of uh, games I played backs. But I want to end up uh, playing uh, forwards here for San Diego. Yeah, you've been outstanding, mate. Part of that back row with uh, Sam Wuching as well has been outstanding. Tell us a little bit about your time in San Diego, you know, so far. Uh, I kind of like the weather, uh, similar to Fiji back at home. I'm a family as well. I love, love here in San Diego so, and the San Diego family. I love them. And so, no chance of signing for Toronto next year then. <laughs> never say never. Never yeah. say never. All right, mate. A lot of people are probably aware you won a gold medal in 2016 uh, with Fiji in Rio. Tell us a little bit about that experience. I got a chance to, um, you know, talk to some of the other teammates of Sayak Klenisau uh, last year when he came over. Was that a big motivating factor that those guys were already here, Joshua Vithi and Osea? To come over? Uh, yes, for me, yeah. back in 2016, it was a big experience for me. Um, actually, uh, it was a mot- motivating for me because my I was young, my dad passed over. Then I have to work for my family. Uh, I was raised by my mom. Then it kept me motivated. Uh, going to the Olympic, uh, playing in Olympic for the first time for the country and the family as well. It, it was really good. Yeah, tell us a little bit about not only the experience, but like getting up onto the podium. So when you got your gold medal, what was going through your head? And then the flight back to Fiji and getting off, what was the atmosphere like in Fiji when you landed? Uh, Receiving a gold medalist on the podium uh, from Princess Anne, it was really something. And uh, we actually, actually, we we won back-to-back in the series sevens and it's it uh, we thought it was just something then we realized it was a, it would be a big thing for the country when we landed on the uh, international airport we saw a huge band of people was waiting for us just to wait for us to, uh, to sell us the gold medal to get home. 
Yeah, unbelievable stuff, mate. I'm sure life-changing because you were one of the few guys in the squad that, uh, sorry, that you know you were mainly based in Fiji. You hadn't spent a lot of time overseas. Yes. So it must have meant a lot for you to bring it back to see. Obviously, was your mum there when you landed? Yes, he was there. And um, and the, the government have to organize a, a special holiday for just to celebrate that gold medalist. I love it, mate. Outstanding stuff. All right, let's talk San Diego now. Player of the week for Major League Rugby. You were outstanding on the weekend. You scored one of the early tries there off uh, off the back of an errant throw from Glendale. When you're out there playing back row, what is Rob Hoadley telling you to do? What's your role in that forward pack? Um, actually, just do my uh, – just play my – my game, uh, usually play an offload game and don't press uh, too much because uh, I've been switching from wing to center and back row to from uh, from six to back row now. And uh, he's, he, uh, he told me that just relax and, relax and play your own game. Yeah, you make up that back row, like we said, of Sam Wuching and uh, Jordan Manahera as well. Pretty dynamic. Um, the Glendale Raptors. Pretty easy win in the end. Were you expecting, you know, the guys who were pretty much undefeated most of last year until San Diego beat them? Were you expecting that kind of performance or you just think that you guys put your best foot forward on the day? Uh, it was a really a very important game for us. And uh, we were told last week that it, uh, we have, yeah, this is a very important game to us. Then we have to put our body on the line. For the, for the Legion. Okay. Oh, you certainly did, mate. You had a great game. Six carries, 100 metres on the day. None more important than that try you scored. Let's move on to this week's game. Uh, you play Houston down in Houston. Have you uh, you been on the phone to Asaya this week just to let him know that you're coming for him? Uh, yes, I've been contacting him. Come okay. on, give us, a little, give us a little insight, Joss. So what have you been saying to him? You're going <laughs> to smash him? <laughs> Not really. I've been, I've been, we've just been contacting each other. Uh, they they came earlier ago and he was he can he cannot make in the team but hoping to see him soon this week. Yeah, you know you know what I say he texted me and he said you're soft. He said he's gonna run over the top of you. <laughs> <laughs> so what has your experience has been like so far in the US mate? What are you thinking of Major League Rugby as a whole? The the quality, you know, you played a lot of rugby uh, back in Fiji, I know there was a time that you were looking at going over to Europe to play, but what are your thoughts on rugby in the U.S. so far? Uh, for me, it's, uh, from, my, uh, from my perspective, uh, it's really good and more professional. Uh, back at home, uh, it, it was just playing <laughs> the way Fijian do, the running game, and uh, now you have to be more structured and... Uh, Learn more new things, your running line and more defensive, defensive, defensive life as well. Now, who's the toughest opponent you've come up against so far in Major League Rugby? Who's the guy that you play against that's been a real physical challenge for you? Uh... <laughs> no one. No one. You, you smashed <laughs> everyone. There's got to be someone out there that's – from another team that you've really, uh, really enjoyed playing against, or not enjoyed playing against so much? 
um, I really enjoyed playing against uh, Vidi, the Houston winger. Yes. Which one? Vidi, the Houston winger. Oh, Josh, Joshua. Yes. Yes. Well, he's suspended still. Uh, yes, I so hopefully you get to catch up with him this weekend. Yes. And uh, But Asay is there. Let's talk a little about your run home, mate. You guys are in the top four now. Uh, you've got a tough run home in terms of being on the road a lot. Has there yes. been some discussion in the camp? Do you guys kind of have an idea of where you need to be by the end of the regular season to make the playoffs? Um, yes. Uh, we've been told that uh, they, they are, we have values that we follow in our team that um, is the team for us and uh, ruthless and being humble all the time. Uh, we will try and be on the top four and the, the top table and play in the very best of our, in, the, in the game. Okay, mate. Let's say you make the top four. Right. Who do you think makes it with you? What other teams out there do you think are going to make that top four? Uh, Nola is there. Um, Seattle. Uh, those are the only two that I can, I can prefer now. Yeah, you've got New York, Glendale, yeah. Toronto as well in the mix. Yes. New York. New York. Yeah. How was that out in New York? Is that your first trip to New York City? Yes, yes. About the same size as Suva, right? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Did you get a chance to go and take a look in the city? Um, not really. I was just relaxing back in the hotel and uh, recovery for, for, then, uh, for the game for the next uh, day. Oh, excellent, mate. Well, Jasa, really appreciate you jumping on with us today, mate. I was... I'm absolutely delighted in the way you've been playing this year. Really, really enjoyed watching you play. I um, think it's been a great move to see you back in the forwards as well. Uh, you're doing some good things on the wing, but you've been a revelation in that back row for San Diego and really hope the form continues. And uh, I will see you down in New Orleans in a couple of weeks, my man. Yes, thank Don't you. hurt me, all right? <laughs> <laughs> There's Jasa Veramalua. San Diego, well, should we just call him back row or utility? What, what should we call him? Superstar. How's that? <laughs> Lovely stuff. Jaza, thanks again, mate. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks. There you go, Pete. Jaza Veramalua and uh, a big part of that uh, San Diego Legion forward pack. Yeah, and, and, you know, for everything that we talk about um, in terms of the forward pack, I mean, in terms of the backs and how dynamic they are, I mean, they've got a foundation like people like um, Vera Malua and Stanfill um, are just, you know, and Paddy Ryan. I mean, they're really setting the foundation for those guys outside to do what they want to do. Yeah. I mean, the run home for them, it's going to be tough. They play NOLA twice. We've talked about that last week. So if any team can really go through this stretch undefeated, I think San Diego is in the best position to do so. All right, Pete, it's that time again. It's that time. We're going to jump into our tips for the week. And, uh, you know, you were up in arms that I went first and took the favorites last week. So I'm going to let you dictate the schedule here and how you want to do these games. So we kick off Friday night. It's uh, CBS Game of the Week as New York travel to Glendale. So some Friday night football. 
for those who like the old school Friday night games. This one is at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific. Who do you want to go first on this one, Mr. Steinberg? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll go first on this one. So first of all, let's have a shout out for the uh, um, double header that's going on on Friday night with the U.S. women playing the Barbarians also at Glendale. So if you're planning to come to the um, MLR game, come out early and see some of the best women's rugby and and, and, and historic um, game for the U.S. Eagles um, to play the Barbarians. I will be there. Um, I have paid for my VIP ticket to support the women's Eagles and plan to stay and, and watch this game as well. You know, I, I so much of this is going to be about um, the health of Rooney. Um you know, and then, you know, how much do we believe that the performance last week against San Diego is part of a trend for Glendale? And how much do we see it as a um, as a bit of an aberration? And I think the challenge that Glendale have is that I, I think that there's, there's a couple of things that Glendale, I think, do very, very well. And probably one of the things they do really well is the tackle contest. They really do the um, uh, tackle they really contest very well at the tackle and they're one of the best in the league, but I like the Rooney back row. I think they can match. Um, they're one of the few teams that I think can match the nows of the Glendale back row um, and the Glendale forwards. So if, if Rooney can get parody at the tackle contest, I think they'll have the edge in the scrum. I think they'll have the edge in the line out and the line out drive. And I can't see um, with those two things, with Rooney having the edge, the backs of Glendale being able to open it up. I don't think this is a blowout. I don't think it's going to be like San Diego. But I think this is a relatively comfortable um, Rooney win. Um, the weather's, I think, supposed to be quite good. So I'm going to say that this is um, Rooney 28, Glendale 20. 28, 20, yep. There's, uh, it was good to see Carl Marsh go for 80 minutes, which is... You know, a good sign for Rooney fans that the the fly half is getting back to full form. If he's in full form out there, it could be a long night for Glendale. Uh, Marco Keith, he went off with, I'm not too sure if it was cramping or a knee injury. He just fell to the ground at one point, which is never a great sign. So that midfield could take a little hit with Matina looking for a centre partner. Uh, Deacon, I know James Denise is out for another week with a foot injury. Deacon could be touch and go, so they could be traveling light. And with the moment, just thinking here, the Raptors, I think if they lose this game, it's all over, right? You would think? I, I, I think so. I mean, I mean, I think that, that using my predictor that people can find um, on my uh, um, Twitter feed, uh, which is my very low-skill Excel if the Raptors win every game with a bonus point, they end up with 55 points. Sorry, 58 points. And like I said, I don't think 55 gets you in. And so if they lose any game in their run, oh, break. I think they make it. Break. I got, I got the roster. Let me tell you who's Whoa. going. Oh, hot, hot. Hot takes from Aaron Castro. Uh, so, so let's be let's let's be fair that sometimes the rosters that are submitted early aren't the rosters that end up on the weekend. This is true. But but but, but I think what we would like to know is um, what is what's the New York back row look like? Uh, back row at six, Alex McDonald. Uh, he has played a lot of lock for them. Um, at seven, 
Open side, Kyle Sumsian. At number eight, Matt Houston. So still no Ross Deacon. Um, Dylan Fawcett is starting at hooker, and your props are the same as last week. Anthony Perry at loose head and James Rochford at tight head prop. So no Patty Ryan, no Deacon, no Denise. Three starters out of that pack. That um, makes me want to rethink my uh, prediction. So so this gets interesting in the back line. Uh, so you're 9-10. Um, Mike and Cahal are the same, but the back five starting, uh, the new signing that they just signed yesterday, Mark, or announced yesterday, Marcus Satavu, uh, is starting at uh, left wing. Um, Will Leonard is back uh, at starting at inside center. Uh, so no Chris Matina on the roster this week. Uh, ben Foden moves to outside center. Connor Wallace-Sims shifts over from the left to the right. And then Luke Hume moves from wing to fullback. I'm going to go right, Glendale. So I'm going to have to change. Like, like, <laughs> I went first. I said it first. So, 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 but I want to change that for, because I want to go back to my working theory, right? So my working okay. theory is a team like Rooney struggles more than maybe some other teams because they have so many players that still work full time in New York. And therefore when they make some changes like this, whether it's in the back line or in the pack, it makes it more difficult for them to adjust. Um, so I'm going to still pull with Rooney, but I think it's going to be Rooney 28, Glendale 26. Okay. I'll do the exact same score, different winner. So I'll go Glendale 28, uh, 26. Well, you know, I'm glad that's happening because I'm behind. I'm yep. four wins behind you. So I need to start having some differentiation. Thank All right, you, well, Aaron, for your hot off the presses news. That was, I, I feel like there might have been a bit of collusion there. Have you got some uh, Russian history in, in your blood, Aaron Castro? Cast, is it is it uh, Castro or Kastrovich or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's also some interesting moves on Glendale if you want those. No, but we're good. We're going to move on. But they aren't crazy like that. Yeah. No, he's yeah, okay. No, let's, uh, Just leave him, leave him alone. He's yeah, made his we'll, we'll leave it alone. Also, like I said, I um, I believe the lineups when they run out on the field. Um, <laughs> I think because I think everyone gets access to those. So if it's Wednesday and I'm publishing my lineup, I might um, I might get Glendale to think a little bit more. Let's find out how how um, squirrely uh, Mike Tolkien is with his lineups. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the social media in a couple of days when they release it themselves. Right. So, all right, Pete, second game is on Saturday. It's also a night game. It's in Utah. It's the Austin Elite taking on the Utah Warriors, another CBS uh, Sports Network game. So it is 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific out there. This is, a, this is an interesting one. This is Utah's only win on the season against Austin, a team that is uh, improving dramatically. And, well, it's the battle for the wooden spoon, you would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, this is like, I'm, I almost throw my hands up in despair about these two teams, right? Because we've seen Austin play great games and we've seen them play terrible, terrible games. We've seen Utah play great games. We've seen them um, play terrible games. Um, I think both of these teams have talents. They've both shown the ability to compete with top four teams. Um, but I think home field advantage at Utah, 
Um, I think they've got a big community day coming on. I think it's going to be, um, I think that home field advantage is probably going to be the, um, the biggest differentiator. Um, and, you know, I, I agree, I, I, I agree with you that I think the, uh, um, uh, you know, the Reeves um, O'Malley 10, 12 combination is really coming to the fore. I think that they're going to be able to use that. Um, I think this is Utah. Um, I think this is Utah. Twenty-one seventeen. Yeah, we'll see how everyone pulls up from the game last week. I was impressed with Utah. They do it. They're getting close to clicking, and I've also been impressed with Austin. But I think they've had quite a bit of time off now with that uh, cancelled game against Toronto. So they may be a little underdone for a road trip up to altitude there in uh, Salt Lake City. Unfortunately, I'm going to go with you, buddy. I know we've got one different already, so but I will go Utah as well. I think Dom Party, uh, Tonata Lauti, once those guys start clicking, I was actually pretty impressed with Gannon Moore too. I know there's been some questions over his defensive work, but he stepped up a few times in some uh, prickly situations for Utah over the weekend against New York. So good to see he's making some adjustments to his game. I love him ball in hand. Outstanding attacking threat and... I think the second phase play there is going to be too much. I'll go Utah. I think they'll get some points. I'll go 37-17. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because Austin have been slowly, slowly adding quality with new players. They had a new signing this week in um, uh, Simon Bienvenu, who is from, um, you know, played in the top 14 and played for Racing 92. So it's a real quality upgrade. Um, but they just, I just don't think they've had the time to really be able to train together and um, and, and get those um, things clicking. So I definitely, I think, I think Utah's going to come out on top. All right, we move to Sunday. Two games on Sunday involving two top four sides, both on the road. So these are these interesting games where they're going to be on the road against teams below them on the table, but looking to uh, play the role of spoiler or stay in the hunt. The first one, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11. Did I do my math right there? I did not. I did not. Yeah, I did. 10 o'clock. No, 10 o'clock. Good Help job. Up, I, I just let you suffer there. It's okay. 10. It's because, because we're both met normally mountain time. So you were giving 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. mountain time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, daylight savings. I'm still struggling. What was it, a month ago? So 10 a.m., early game out there on the West Coast uh, for Seattle fans. Uh, against Toronto, Game TV up there, Root Sports in the Pacific Northwest, ESPN Plus everywhere else. This one, uh, well, I guess we can talk about it. It's going to be some big news in the next couple of days. It is a signing that uh, you had confirmed today, and I just got confirmation as well from the Seawolves. Probably at this point in time, one of the greatest Eagles to ever play. Is that is that? Overstating this player. No, I, mean, I think I think certainly he's um, you know so 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 you want to tell people what's going on or should we keep talking and sort of no fill them in, fill them in. Spoiler so, alert. Um, so so Samu um, Manoa um, has been signed by the Seawolves to the end of the season. Uh, um, you know, for people that may be just MLR fans, um, Samu uh, from San Francisco, Northern California. Um, ended up uh, playing for the Northampton Saints. Um, it started pro rugby quite late, but probably at his time at the Saints in the Premiership was one of the most dynamic forwards there. Um, went on to play for um, 
for uh, Toulon in the top 14. Um, and at the time, uh, the best team in the top 14. And then over the last year, played at Cardiff, but ended up um, ending his contract early. I think his family was was back and, and came back. The, the challenge for um, Samuel is he's 34. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the one of the few players that the U.S. has ever had that um, would be in people's uh, world 15 uh, when he was at his best. And, and so definitely one of the best players the U.S. ever has and arguably the best player. Yep. I, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Great guy too. Great guy, Samu. And I'm happy that he's back with his family and he's happy. And I think if you see him mentally in a good place and physically, it could be real trouble. I mean, there's not too many players that can really like shift the balance of power in the league. But even at 34, I think Samu can. I think he gives them a threat in the line out they haven't really had with Tucker and Nakatini. He's just a bit more dynamic with a bit more height and explosion there. But another ball carrier and another vicious defender to add into that seawall. And when Villy gets back, mm, that is uh, – I, I don't usually get too carried away with the forward pack, but that is one impressive forward pack that the Seawolves will have. Yeah, and, you know, Samu can play – he can play lock. Um, he can play six. He can play eight. Um, I think we'll probably end up seeing him play, um, you know, more six. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if he gets to come out and play this weekend – um, my guess it w- is is it would be off the bench, right? That's kind of like what the integration would be in the, you know, in the, uh, um, you know, for the last twenty minutes or so, depending on, um, you know, what is what his fitness levels are. But this is a big game because I think Toronto have to win this game. I think that um, you know if they win um, every game that if Toronto win every game that they have left. Um, and they get a bonus point in all of them that puts them at 60 points therein. If they lose one game, I don't think Toronto are guaranteed to get in. So this is a huge game for um, Toronto. I think they're going to come out with a um, a, a real commitment. Um, I think that, uh, um, you know, Seattle, a little beaten up, right? So we saw... Um, Shalom come off. Um, Shalom Sonyola come off the field. We saw Ben Sima come off the field. JP Smith had to step in at ten. Like there was definitely some marks that are going to be left after that game against Nola. So it's going. This is going to be a really interesting game. But I'm not going to call it first down. I'm going to let you call it. Aaron, do you have a roster? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll go Seattle. No, I just no, I don't. No, it's I it's, so. uh, it's on Sunday. They don't have to submit it to like uh, Friday. late tomorrow. Yeah, no, I think Friday. I think it's forty eight hours is the rule yeah. they've got in place. You're gonna have to change that for us. We'll start a petition. Yeah, go fund me or something. I don't know what kids do now, but do something. Uh, I just can't pick Toronto, Pete. Just they just haven't shown me enough. The loss to Nola up there, and then the game against Houston. I, I wasn't overly impressed. And I, I want to pick Toronto. I really want them to get into the playoffs. I think it would be great for the league to see them in the playoffs. But I was just going to have to go for Seattle, even on the road. I think Seattle will get it done. It'll be a tight one. Um, defensively, the Sea Wolves are there. They need to get a little bit more creative with the ball. I don't see them beating San Diego, even with Samu, in a final situation because I don't think they've got enough points in them to beat San Diego. And that defense of San Diego can muscle up and, you know, as good as Seattle. So I'll go Seattle. 
let's go 20, 25, 18. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I, I, I feel the same way about it. I, I, I keep believing Toronto has more potential than they're showing, but they, they keep not showing it, and so it's, it's kind of a little bit frustrating. Like, like the game against Houston was not a good performance, but they're bringing good players onto the field that have international experience, and you know, I'm just, uh, you know, is this the game? Is this the game where it clicks for Toronto, where they can really play at their best, or have we actually seen? what Toronto is like in their first year. And like you said, they just haven't had the time to put it together. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, Seattle do, don't need to win this game. And that's sort of where, where I'm coming down. Um, you know, Seattle can, um, you know, lose a couple of games and still make it into the playoffs if they get their bonus points. So, you know, maybe the desperation um, the, the home field ad, ad, advantage. I mean, I, I still think Seattle's going to win. I, I, I just, I, I struggle with it. But, but you know, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna either like in our, in our matchups, then in our tips, I'm either gonna come back, you know, in the glory, or I'm gonna go down in flames. So I'm gonna call it Toronto, um, and I'm gonna call this a very tight game. I'm gonna say Toronto's gonna be, it'll be Toronto 18. Um, Seattle, fifty. That is a low-scoring one. No bonus yeah. points. No, no, no try bonus points. I think for the fans, they want you to come back. It's good. It's good for the viewers, right? It it, right. it brings <laughs> it brings attention. So, but no one wants a, a absolute whitewash. We'll just That's do. We're going. We'll just do like double or nothing once we get into the playoffs. No, that only desperate people do double or nothing, Pete. I'm not desperate. I'm in front. Unless I do fall behind, then of course we'll do double or nothing. But all right, last game. It is a late one on Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I've got my math dialed in now. It's the San Diego Legion down in Houston on Cube TV in Houston, uh, CW San Diego, and Facebook for everyone else. And you want me to go first? You want to go first? I think we're going to be the same. I don't think it matters who goes first. I think we... Um, both think San Diego are going to win. I think what's interesting is to see how the turf holds up for Houston. I mean, one of the, you know, and, and, and that scrum matchup is going to be really, really interesting. You know, Houston definitely have the best scrum in the league. Um, and uh, it'll be a great test for um, uh, 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 San Diego. So the question is, is Houston going to actually play at their new stadium at the, at, at the Avia Stadium? Um, they had problems with the turf. I think they're looking at playing um, somewhere else, which I think they would need to because they are. Um, yeah, it's confirmed, Pete. They're moving um, to Dyer Stadium, where they okay. were last year. Okay, so, so so they'll be playing at Dyer Stadium. So you know, it'll be a good it'll be a good matchup for the scrums, but I don't think it's going to be a good matchup anywhere else. Um, I think that um, yeah, Houston. You know, they have some you know horses that can score some tries. Um, but I think this will be something like 35-20 to San Diego. Yep. Not going to argue with you, Pete. Sorry. San Diego. Makes, makes for very boring podcasts. Yeah, you, you're not going to guilt me into changing it. I mean, Houston, again, they look decent up there in Toronto, but just not, uh, not, not clicking. I think San Diego, the only thing that can hurt them now is complacency. Just don't see it. I don't yeah. see it. There's just got enough veterans in that in that team that they're not going to let it happen. 
I'll go uh, 42-12. 42-12 down there. Dyer Stadium, it's a shorter, shorter field. Uh, I think the width is okay, which will play into San Diego's hands. So might see a car, quite a few Legion players uh, on the bench getting plenty of minutes too on the weekend, I would imagine, as well for Rob Hartley. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what San Diego do with their lineup here. You know, they, they, they move people around for their home game against Glendale. So um, an away game against Houston, they might still try some, um, some different uh, combinations. Yep. All right, Pete, we're going to do something new this week. You made fun of me all week when I was texting it and made me change the name, but we're going to do it. It's the, uh, the power matchup of the week. It's the one-on-one battle we're looking forward to most over the weekend. And I'll go first. It's Friday night. I'm looking forward to the return of Dylan Fawcett to Infinity Park as he takes on his old uh, teammate, Zach Fenolio. You've got the former Warhorse, the USA Eagles hooker from the 2015 World Cup, taking on potentially one of the hookers for the 2019 World Cup. And uh, those two are good friends, so I won't try to uh, instigate anything outside of that. But I think it's always a great trip back to your form, your club, and usually you have plenty to prove. So that's my power matchup for the week. Fenolio versus Fawcett on Friday night. Yours, Pete? Oh, no, there isn't a Steinberg matchup of the week. It's just no, a power matchup of the week. Just power, it's part of the power one. Don't leave me out here by myself. All right, you can leave me out no, by no, myself. So, so, so my matchup, which is, of course, you know, something that's close to my heart, is the matchup on um, – and I'm also going to go – with um with Friday night, which is um uh Mike Petrie versus Sean Davies. So the former USA Eagle um scrum half coming uh you know playing uh, most likely his uh his last season of rugby going up against the incumbent US Eagle scrum half. They're both um you know tremendous players. I think Mike's um service is a little bit better. Uh, Sean's um, a little bit more dynamic and more athletic, but they both run um, great support lines. You'll see them pop up all over the place, and that'll be the game that I'll be watching um, firsthand from the sidelines. So uh, I'll be uh, I'm very much enjoying watching those two guys go against each other. Yeah, enjoy it up in that VIP box. Uh, you know, the normal people won't get that opportunity. They'll be down uh, the on the VIP concrete. VIP box that I paid for to support the U.S. Women's Eagles. So anyone no. who has seventy-five bucks can pay for that. No, I'm a man of the people. I'm going to sit amongst the people. I'm the I'm the Daenerys Targaryen of the people. You know, the breaker. Either that, either that, or you're cheap. It's one of the two. I think it's the second one, but we won't go into that in a public arena like this. All right, Pete. Well, great to be with you again, mate. We will uh, we'll catch up Friday. I'll see you down there. Uh, three days of Major League Rugby, Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. So thanks again for joining us. For obviously Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.